TED Audio Collective. Welcome to TED Health. I'm Elise Hugh. Now that many U.S. states are legalizing marijuana, let's dive into how we actually experience the drug in our brains. I learned a lot from today's lesson from our TED-Ed educator, Anise Baji. It dives into how weed use affects all of us rather differently, why that is, and considerations we should make before using. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on fitness trends. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in active lifestyle, healthy eating, wearable tech, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas that you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customize to better fit your investing goals. All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Support for this podcast comes from The Wonderful Company. If that name doesn't sound familiar to you, you probably know the pistachios that come from this company. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Get snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. I love the various wonderful pistachio flavors. So in addition to the original flavor, I'm particularly fond of the salt and vinegar. And I keep little packets of them in my car so that I can eat and get some protein on the run. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. In 1970, marijuana was classified as a Schedule I drug in the United States the strictest designation possible, meaning it was completely illegal and had no recognized medical uses. For decades, this view persisted and set back research on the drug's mechanisms and effects. Today, marijuana's therapeutic benefits are widely acknowledged, and some nations have legalized medical use or are moving in that direction. But a growing recognition for marijuana's medical value doesn't answer the question, is recreational marijuana use bad for your brain? Marijuana acts on the body's cannabinoid system, which has receptors all over the brain and body. Molecules native to the body, called endocannabinoids, also act on these receptors. We don't totally understand the cannabinoid system, but it has one feature that provides a big clue to its function. 
most neurotransmitters travel from one neuron to the next through a synapse to propagate a message. But endocannabinoids travel in the opposite direction. When a message passes from the one neuron to the next, the receiving neuron releases endocannabinoids. Those endocannabinoids travel backward to influence the sending neuron, essentially giving it feedback from the receiving neuron. This leads scientists to believe that the endocannabinoid system serves primarily to modulate other kinds of signals, amplifying some and diminishing others. Feedback from endocannabinoids slows down rates of neural signaling. That doesn't necessarily mean it slows down behavior or perception, though. For example, slowing down a signal that inhibits smell could actually make smells more intense. Marijuana contains two main active compounds, tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC, and cannabidiol, or CBD. THC is thought to be primarily responsible for marijuana's psychoactive effects on behavior, cognition, and perception, while CBD is responsible for the non-psychoactive effects. Like endocannabinoids, THC slows down signaling by binding to cannabinoid receptors, but it binds to receptors all over this sprawling, diffuse system at once whereas endocannabinoids are released in a specific place in response to a specific stimulus. This widespread activity, coupled with the fact that the cannabinoid system indirectly affects many other systems, means that each person's particular brain chemistry, genetics, and previous life experience largely determine how they experience the drug. That's true much more so with marijuana than with other drugs, that produce their effects through one or a few specific pathways. So the harmful effects, if any, vary considerably from person to person. And while we don't know exactly how marijuana produces specific harmful effects, there are clear risk factors that can increase people's likelihood of experiencing them. The clearest risk factor is age. In people younger than 25, cannabinoid receptors are more concentrated in the white matter than in people over 25. The white matter is involved in communication, learning, memory, and emotions. Frequent marijuana use can disrupt the development of white matter tracts and also affect the brain's ability to grow new connections. This may damage long-term learning ability and problem solving. For now, it's unclear how severe this damage can be or whether it's reversible. And even among young people, the risk is higher the younger someone is, much higher for a 15-year-old than a 22-year-old, for instance. Marijuana can also cause hallucinations or paranoid delusions. Known as marijuana-induced psychosis, these symptoms usually subside when a person stops using marijuana. But in rare cases, psychosis doesn't subside, instead unmasking a persistent psychotic disorder. A family history of psychotic disorders like schizophrenia, is the clearest though not the only risk factor for this effect. Marijuana-induced psychosis is also more common among young adults, though it's worth noting that psychotic disorders usually surface in this age range anyway. What's unclear in these cases is whether the psychotic disorder would have appeared without marijuana use. Whether marijuana use triggers it early is a catalyst for a tipping point 
that wouldn't have been crossed otherwise, or whether the reaction to marijuana is merely an indication of an underlying disorder. In all likelihood, marijuana's role varies from person to person. At any age, as with many other drugs, the brain and body become less sensitive to marijuana after repeated uses, meaning it takes more to achieve the same effects. Fortunately, unlike many other drugs, there's no risk of fatal overdose from marijuana, and even heavy use doesn't lead to debilitating or life-threatening withdrawal symptoms if use stops. There are more subtle forms of marijuana withdrawal, though, including sleep disturbances, irritability, and depressed mood, which pass within a few weeks of stopping use. So, is marijuana bad for your brain? It depends who you are. But while some risk factors are easy to identify, others aren't well understood, which means there's still some possibility of experiencing negative effects, even if you don't have any of the known risk factors. You're growing a business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.